If you've got a Bible, I'm going to be in a couple places tonight, and I want to talk specifically about something that I think doesn't get a lot of time from stages with church. Something that I think is super impactful, maybe one of the most impactful things that you can think about with your life. Tonight, I want to open up starting in Luke chapter 6. If you have a Bible, turn there. If you have an iPhone or an Android, if you have an Android, look on the screen. If you've got an iPhone, look on your phone. Um, just kidding. Uh, if you charge your Bible, may turn to Luke chapter 6. We are going to be in the book of Luke, and we're going to be a couple other places, but I want to take a look specifically at what Jesus has to say about our mouths. Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 43, says, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. Bad can't come from good, good can't come from bad. Y'all following me? One or the other. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, or out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I want to work from the title tonight, Watch Your Mouth. Oh yeah, somebody felt it. Someone heard it in their mama's voice. Watch your mouth. Right now, I need to touch your neighbor for the last time and say, neighbor. neighbor. Say it like you mean it, neighbor. neighbor. Watch your mouth. Watch Some of y'all got PTSD. Y'all had mamas that really said that to you, and I'm sorry for bringing up bad memories. Watch your mouth. You know, this past Saturday, my daughter, she's eight, she had her first soccer game ever. And it was really exciting. She's on a team called the Warriors. She had a very awesome, ferocious name for a first team. When I was five, my first year of soccer, I was on a team called the Angels. And we wore pink and, and uh, baby blue shorts, pink shirts, baby blue pants. I was out there looking like some cotton candy. It was not cute. But she's on this team called the Warriors, and they wear blue and black. And I'm like, oh, ferocious. Yes, girls, go. You know what I mean? And I had a thing. This, this Saturday in particular, like, I had a one goal and one goal only. Didn't really care how well she played. Didn't care. It really wasn't about her. It was about me. I, I, and hear me, just, just know, I wanted one thing and one thing only. I didn't want to be that parent. Do you know what I mean? That, that parent. You know, being a soccer dad, there's a, lot, there's a lot that goes into that. You know what I mean? And I was an athlete. I come from that. I'm, I grew up playing. I was, I'm really competitive, all those things. And I was like, there's one thing I don't want to be. I do not want to be the dad on the sideline that the coach didn't get the memo that I was actually the coach. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where I'm the one that's louder. I'm the one that's yelling. I'm the one like, come on, pass the ball. I didn't want to be that. I didn't want to. And I tried really hard. Even in my pregame speech, I was real calm, real chill. Me and my wife kind of got into it because she was like, if a girl elbows you, you better elbow her back in the face. Like, she was serious. And I was like, baby, we don't need to tell our eight-year-old that she needs to elbow people. And so I was in the doghouse when I came to the thing, so I was just like, I'm just going to be quiet. I'm just going to sit here in my chair. I'm not going to say a word. Just good job, even when it's not a good job. Do you know what I mean? I want to be a supportive father. And so this game starts, and, and little did I know, I didn't know this, but I soon found out what position my daughter would be playing. I thought, you know, if they just stick her in the back, like no one's going to know that she's never played before. It's going to be just fine. She got in the one position that you can tell if you do a good job or a bad job. She was the goalkeeper. There is no way. There's no way to hide. There's no way to hide. 
you're completely exposed. You are the only person on the field whose fault it is when a goal is scored. So I was like, oh, God, I'm going to be that dad today. I can already tell. I can feel it. But I'm sitting there. I'm being real chill. She's doing her best. Her team is not very good. Let me be honest with you. She is the biggest girl on the team, and she's one of the youngest girls on the team. So with that, we need to pray for them, please. I, I don't know what we're going to do. We need to figure it out because I can't relive what I had to relive on Saturday, okay? And so she is playing goalie, and I'm like, hey, get in, get in your stance. And she's just sitting there like this, like, I think she didn't want to run up and down the field. Like, I get it. Trust me. I don't like running. That's why I didn't play soccer. But she is in goal. She's ready. She's got her gloves on. She's got her shirt, the whole long sleeve shirt. She's ready, goalied up. And I was like, you know what? Maybe she's going to do great. And I'm talking to my wife. I'm being positive, being hopeful. And then something happened. I can't really describe how this game went other than to tell you that it was a lot to a little at the end of the game, okay? And my, my kind of reminder of the Cowboys game. Sorry, too soon. Too soon. Too soon. Too soon. Pray for them Dallas Cowboys. Anyway. But she's playing. She's in goal. She's doing her best. Her team is not playing great defense, and I'm, I'm quiet. I'm sitting there. Let me be supportive. You're doing good, Charlie. Good job. I'm doing this. Thumbs up from the side. All the parents are just sitting in their chairs, knee, like, you know, just like talking to each other, and I'm intensely, like, focused on the game, right? And I was like, you know what? I'm be cool and be chill. One girl, goal turned to seven goals, and then everything changed. Everything changed. I found myself no longer sitting in my seat. I am now about 10 feet away from the goal. And I'm like, Charlie, pass it to her, not her. She's not any good. Pass to her. Like, you know, I'm, I'm being that dad that's like, do not pass it to her. I don't care what your coach says. I'm the coach now. You know, I'm the captain now. That's what I told the coach. And this coach, bless her heart, I come to her after the game, and she thinks I'm going to talk to her. I'm there to pick up Charlie, and she's like, oh, God, this dad. Is there anything I can help you with? I'm like, oh, no, and just walked off. But what I didn't realize in that game is, and what I'm thinking about now, is sometimes you'll find yourself in circumstances and positions that things that you didn't know were on the inside of you come out. Anybody been there where you find yourself in a certain position that something that you never knew was in the inside of you just so happened to be the loudest thing in your life in that moment. Anybody with me? For me, I didn't want to be that dad. I was like, I'm not that dad. I'm not him. I'm chill. I'm not chill. I'm not. <laughs> that certain circumstance showed a bit of what was on the inside. And I think for us, a lot of times we live life and we don't have any measure or metric to see what's on the inside of us until something happens. See, for me, I think about that question, are you happy? And I think it's so based on feelings, based on the moment. And it's hard because sometimes you're unhappy because you haven't eaten all day. You need to eat a Snickers, you know? You're hungry. Be married to any woman on the planet. They're not mad, they're hungry most of the time, unless you actually made them mad. Okay, not funny, apparently. Okay, sorry, ladies. It used to be funny. You gotta be real careful in here, okay? But no, like it's hard, it's hard to determine why do I feel the way that I feel? Why is my heart in this state of, of what's going on? And I think if we're not careful, we'll live our life thinking that we're happy when we're really not. We're feeling like, oh, everything's okay when there's actually something that's there but doesn't come out except in certain circumstances. You following with me? See, for us, if we want to know what we look like from the outside, there's a couple things that we might do. One is, we might ask our friends. 
girl, do I look cute today or no? And some of y'all listen to your friends and you shouldn't, okay? And this is why. <laughs> your friends will lie to you. They will lie to you. Yeah, girl, you look bad. Oh, girl, you a snack. You know? <laughs> girl, if I was, I, you would get snatched up real quick. I'm telling you. But your friends will lie to you. They'll tell you you look better than what you really do. Sometimes they'll tell you you look worse than you really do. Don't get those friends around you. I need people to hype me up, but not too much. You know what I mean? Because I mess around with some of y'all. I have some boogers hanging my nose, and y'all wouldn't even tell me, okay? This is a, that's a different kind of friendship when you're like, hey, bro, there's something in your teeth in front of everybody. Like, I got you, bro. You know what, y'all know what I'm talking about? So sometimes we go to our friends, but I tell you what the most effective means of finding out what you look like from the outside is you look into a mirror. If they didn't work, we wouldn't look at it every day. When we check our fit, like, okay, that don't match at all. Okay, I got dressed in the dark this morning. We look into a mirror to see what's going on on the outside of us. And the funny thing about this is, is that our mouth is actually the mirror for our hearts. That while we look at a mirror, what a mirror does, it just shows you what's present, shows you what's there. It just tells you the truth. If you've got a zit on your forehead, nothing you're going to do is change that in the mirror. The mirror is not going to have a reason to, like, delete that. It's not, it's not an editing software. You know what I'm saying? It's, that's your face. It's a reflection. It's a, it's a picture of reality, right? And for us, I think the most effective way, which Scripture would say, for us to see what's going on on the inside of our hearts is to watch our mouths. My first point I want to start with is we need to watch our mouths because our mouth is our mirror. Your mouth is your mirror. See, the thing about mirrors and the thing about your mouth, I love the way that Jesus breaks it down. He says, no good tree bears bad fruit. No bad tree bears good fruit. Can't happen. What's on the inside is going to come out. You can't lie about it. It's the truth. If it's inside of you, this is going to come out. I love how he uses this thing about trees. It says, no good tree bears bad fruit. No bad tree bears good fruit. No figs coming from thorns, no grapes coming from a briar bush. For each tree is known by its fruit. If you want to know if the tree is healthy, look at the fruit, right? What's Jesus saying? You can't fake fruit. You can't fake the things that are coming out of your mouth. They are going to be a reflection of your heart. If you want to get a picture of the status of your heart, watch your mouth. Yeah, everybody with me? Following? So I love this. I, I, I did a little bit of research about like trees, you know? Which, some forestry majors in here, anybody? A couple people? Okay, forget, if I'm wrong, if I'm wrong, forgive me, okay? But in my research of figuring out about trees, because I, I had this question. I don't know about you, but I read that text, and I'm like, okay, I, I get the whole thing. Bad tree, bad fruit, good tree, good fruit. Easy, right? You want to know about the tree? Look at the fruit. But there's nothing in this text that shows you why the tree's bad and why the fruit's bad. Y'all following me? You with me? If the fruit's good, that means the tree's good. But what makes the tree good or bad? Y'all with me? Yeah, okay. So I'm looking at this, and I'm asking around. I'm like, okay, let me, let me do my research. Let me do my due diligence and figure out what exactly makes a tree good or bad. And in my study, in my research, I found that there's a couple of reasons which makes a tree good or bad. The first and probably the biggest reason, and one that I think carries the most weight, is the soil that a tree is planted in. Whether you know this or not, the soil that a tree is planted in is actually how it gets its nutrients. It's what gets it its life, right? So if you're in bad soil, 
the tree will be bad, right? Y'all with me? If the soil is toxic, the tree's going to be toxic, right? I think for us, if we can just even look at a tree and see how that translates to our life, if we're planted in toxic places, there's not going to be any life. My question for you tonight is, where are you planted? What are you planted in? What soil are you finding yourself in? And see, here's the problem. I think a lot of us, we don't realize that we're planted in toxic soil until it comes out, until we see the fruit when it's too late, right? Well, we find ourselves, oh, we have a toxic mindset that every time that so-and-so walks by that we have an issue with, we got to say something negative. You got bitterness in your heart. But you don't know you got bitterness in your heart until you see them. You don't know that you got unforgiveness in your heart until you see them. You don't realize that you have been conditioned by your soil. See, I think a lot of us, we stay in these toxic mindsets, toxic habits, toxic patterns with toxic people, and with the toxicity of comparison, toxicity of insecurity, the toxicity of venting and talking about people. And we find ourselves in this place where everything around us has no life and we wonder why we're not happy. What I'm here to tell you today is maybe you ought to check the soil. If nothing that you're planted in is giving you life, it's not the tree's fault, it's the soil's fault. And for some of you in here, you've never been planted in good soil. You've never been in a place where you get life put back into you. Some of you, you might not even, this is your first time at any type of church environment. I'm here to tell you, be planted in a place like this where the presence of God is. I guarantee you the soil will change. That all you've known is things that are unhealthy. You haven't given the chance and the time to say, okay, God, I'm going to be planted in your word. I'm going to be planted in community of people who love God and who are working together to try to look more like him. Jesus, I'm going to plant my life in a relationship with you in a soil that's going to feed back into me because I'm really pursuing you. Maybe we ought to check the soil if we feel like we don't like the fruit that we see. You with me? The second thing I also realize is not often is it just the soil's fault. Because sometimes, believe it or not, the tree can be bad while in good soil. Crazy, right? And I looked at it, and I was, I was asking one of my resident um, people who I know really well named Wesley, and Wesley was telling me this thing about tree rot, root rot, excuse me, that the roots are unable to absorb the nutrients that the soil around it is readily available to give. And that's just so funny. I think that's a picture of a lot of American Christianity, and especially my life, where you could be planted in church your entire life, where you could be planted in the Bible your entire life. You can be hearing sermons. You can sing worship songs. You might be listening to the car at home, but nothing is absorbed into your life because you've pushed away the voice of God in your life. The Holy Spirit has brought conviction that says, hey, you ought to not do that anymore. Hey, I actually have life for you on this other thing, but we're in this state of willful disobedience. Do you know what that means? It means you know better, but you don't do better. You know what I'm saying? Well, you're trying your best to Look the part, but you're not living the part. I think for a lot of us, the reason why we don't find the life that God so is ready, willing to give you is because we find ourselves in places where we say no to his voice, where we won't repent of sin. And I'm not talking about sin like, oh, bad stuff. I mean, like there's stuff that's stealing life from you that you're actively engaged in. God is not looking at, let me just step out of the, the moment, I need to talk about this because I know a lot of people have been like really just hurt by this word sin. Sin is the brokenness that steals life from you. It is not bad things. 
it is bad things, but they're bad because they hurt you. Does that make sense? And God so desperately wants those things out of your life, not because you're some bad person and you need to change and get better. It's because it's stealing the life he's trying to give you. It's the root rot. You following me? So if you're not seeing the fruit that you want to see in your life, check the soil. And if you're in good soil, you find yourself planted in a life-giving church, places where you hear God's word, and you're still not finding life, maybe it's the root. Maybe it's that communication is broken where you're not hearing these words of God speaking into your life that are giving life to you. Maybe it's time to check the roots. You know, I love this too about this text and where it talks about the heart and how your mouth is combined. Not only does the mouth show you as a mirror yourself, your mouth does another thing. Your words, they reveal where you run to. Your mouth will tell you the things that you will go to first. Y'all following Jesus in his text, he says that out of the treasure of their heart, the good treasure or the bad treasure, out of the stuff that they've ran to and they've held on to is where the good or bad comes from. So for us, my question for us tonight is when bad stuff happens, what do you run to? Girl, you're not going to believe what just happened to me. So-and-so said this. Yeah, somebody text me. I can't believe her. She just, blah, 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 blah. man, I hate how we always be doing blah, blah. You, you know, come on. Come, am I telling the truth? I, I'm in somebody's business. I'm in your living room. I'm stomping on the, on the carpet, okay? I know I am. As long as you take your shoes off. Yeah, the shoe's not coming off. Dirt coming in the house, okay? <laughs> Where's the place that you run to when bad stuff happens, when you're frustrated, when you're worried, when you're tired and burnt out? When you don't know what to do moving forward, you don't know how your future is going to happen, what do you run to? Do you run to attention? Other people? Who do you call first? Do you run to the bottle? Do you run to the party? Because those things make you feel better? You know, there's a story I really love a ton. I was reading this week as I was preparing the sermon. It reminded me, of, of a response that I think is often missed in my own life as well as probably a lot of our lives. There is a story in 2 Kings chapter 4. If that's in the Old Testament, you might never have heard the story. Recently, I read it again. I'd been kind of introduced, but I was just like, oh, okay, you know, Bible stories. You know what I mean? But this one stood out to me like, it stood out to me like crazy. It like spoke to me. And I was reading it, and it's about the story of this woman. She's a Shunammite woman. She's not of the people of Israel. And there's this man named Elisha. And Elisha is one of the prophets. The first one was Elijah, and the second was Elisha. Yeah, in the Old Testament. Y'all with me? Anybody know the story? And so Elisha, he's going about doing the ministry, and this lady is like, come on, baby, you know you can eat at my house. Like, that's kind of how I, I read my Bible. I have to put some, like, color to it. You know what I mean? <laughs> come in this house, baby. Come get some food. You know, every time you come by, you can stay at my house. This Shunammite woman opens her home to this man, and not only does she open her home, she actually builds a room for him to stay in when he's in town. Talk about making room for God in your life. Y'all get that later. She builds this room, her and her husband, and she feeds him every time, lets him stay there every time he comes. And Elisha, being thankful, wants to bless her. So he asks his assistant, hey, what do you think that she wants? And she, they bring her in, she's like, no, I'm good. I don't need anything. I don't need you to do me any favors. Like, I just wanted to do this for you. And so the, the attendant says, well, she doesn't have a son. Her and her husband are old, and she doesn't have a son. 
And so Elisha, in this moment, he says, you know what? I'm going to do one better for you than anything you would have asked for. I'm going to give you a son. This time next year, you're going to have a son. And she's like, don't play games with me. Knowing that's exactly what she wanted the most, but never had. Probably had never had the ability to have it ever. And he says, this time next year, you have a son. And that son comes. And a little time passes. He grows up just a little bit. And he's out in the field one day with his dad. And something happens. He's just yelling, my head, my head, my head. Passes out. His dad gets one of the the workers there and says, hey, take him to his mother. And that's where this happens in verse 20 of chapter 4 of 2 Kings. It says, and when he had lifted him and brought him to his mother, the child sat on her lap till noon. And then he died. The kid that she was too afraid to ask for, that was a blessing and a gift to her, that she had just for so little of a time, is now gone. Little Jimmy's gone. Not coming back. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door behind him and went out. This is what's so crazy about this story. Verse 22 says, Then she called to her husband and said, Send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys, that I may quickly go to the man of God and come back again. And he said, Why will you go up to him today? It is neither a new, new, new moon or Sabbath. She said, All is well. Isn't that crazy? If you read that too fast, you won't realize that he has no idea his son is dead. But she knows. He says, why are you going to go see the man of God? It's not, there's no occasion that is needed for him to be. He thinks he's in his room asleep. She doesn't even tell her husband that her son is dead. What does she do? It's all good. Everything's cool. She goes on. She, draw, she goes to the man of God. She says, when the man of God saw her coming, he said to his servant Gehazi, look, there's the Shunamite. Shunam- can't even talk. Shunamite. <laughs> Run at once to meet her and say to her, is all well with you? Is all well with your husband? Is all well with the child? And she answered, all is well. Two times. She has not told the truth. She has bold-faced lied. Nothing is okay. It's all good. Why? Why would she do that? Why in the most depressing moment of her life, the agony of loss, would she say, it's all good? It says, when she came to the mountain, the man of God, she caught hold of his feet. And the servant, the attendant came to push her away. But the man of God, Elisha said, leave her alone, for she is in bitter distress. And the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. You know what I find so interesting about that story? And the reason why I'm telling it to you is this woman, she didn't waste time talking to people who could change anything about what had happened. She doesn't tell her husband. She doesn't tell the assistant. She tells the man who promised her a son that my son's dead. You promised me. You promised me. The thing I love about this story is she goes to the source. She doesn't spend any of her time telling her friends about it. She doesn't spend any of her time complaining about it. She goes straight to the man that can change it. What would it look like if we became people that went straight to the source who could change our problem, who went straight to God instead of straight to venting to our friends? What would it look like on the worst day of our life that we just said, it's all good. I'm not saying anything to anybody until I've talked to God about it because he's the only one that can change my circumstance. He's the only one that has the power to do anything about what's going on in my life. You know, I think for some of us, we might have even prayed once or twice. And that's why we don't do it anymore. We prayed and nothing happened. I wonder, did you pray to him first? 
because I think we often find our prayers powerless is because we go to powerless places first. That instead of going to the source, instead of going to God and say, God, I need you to move. I, nothing else is going to make this better. Me telling Susie Q or Jimmy is not going to change anything. I need to talk to the man who can change everything. I'm taking this straight to Jesus. I'm not wasting time venting about something to someone else. I'm going to the only person who has the power to change my circumstance. I think even the way that we pray can often be powerless. That we go to God and we just vent to him as if he don't already know what you're going through. As if he hadn't already circum, like moved every bit of your life to go through the things you're going through. As if he has not counted every hair on your head. As if he did not make you in your mother's womb. As if he doesn't know every breath that you're ever going to breathe. And we just go to him like, frustrated God. I failed my test. I'm never going to be what I want to be. And God's like, the faithlessness that's coming out of your mouth right now is un, <laughs> I can't move with that. That we pray to God with such little faith. That we just come to him with our problems and we don't ever do anything to change them. You know, I think prayer, if I might be so bold to say what it is, it's not, it's not telling God. It's trusting God. It's not just saying, here's all my problems, and now I'm out the conversation. It's, God, I'm in a real hard time, but I trust you. I trust that you have held every breath that I've ever breathed, and you know everything that I'm going to be, that you know my future. You hold my future. I trust you. While I can't see the way, I know that you know the way, and I'm going to walk in faith believing that you are not going to abandon me, that you have not lost sight of me, that every bit of what I'm going through you're going to use for good. What would it look like if our prayers started to look like that? I promise you they'd be powerful. I promise you your, per, your, your perspective and the way that you saw it would completely change. But so much of the time, we just run to people and we run to things. And our mouth shows us what our heart really runs to. Our mouth, if you let it, will show how much faith really in your heart. When you're going through something and people ask you, how are you feeling about that? Well, I'm really nervous and I'm worried. Oh, I'm really worried about it. Do you know what worry is? It's the residue of not praying. Don't be worried about anything but in everything. By prayer and supplication, submit your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Do you want to know why you don't have any peace in your life? There's no power in your prayers? It's because we're not found in prayer. That we're not persistent in chasing after God. I think about all the people that God used in this book. There are people that were so persistent, like, I'm not stopping until you bless me. I'm not going to stop talking to you until you change my situation. I love this one story about this old lady who has a son, and he hasn't gotten justice. And what she does is she goes to the guy's house. Hey, man, I need you to give me justice for my son every day. Every day. Every day. Does not stop. Every day. How badly have you wanted something that you'd pray every day for it? How many prayers do we give out? One or two? Maybe? Every day. And it says that this evil guy is like, you know what? I'm just going to give her what she wants because she won't stop bothering me. How much more a God who loves you, if you're persistent in prayer, will he give you what you are asking for? I think for us, the reason that we see powerless lives and our prayers are powerless is because we pray once and we think that that's going to be good enough. When they're, they're, the thing with prayer is it's, a, it's not a transaction of God. This is what I want. Now I get it. That's a genie. This is not Aladdin. I'm sorry. 
this thing with God is he wants to transform you in this moment. He wants to lift your eyes to see something you can't see. I think sometimes we'd be so preoccupied with what we want and what we think is best, our own expectations for things, that we don't believe that God actually knows better, that we don't think that he actually knows more. I wonder what it would look like if our mouths started to really show what was in our hearts when we prayed. I know my life would be different. I would invent to my wife about all my stuff. She'd like me more. Y'all got that one friend that just comes to you and is always just super negative. You're like, bro, this girl, bro. Well, you always got something to say. And you're always talking about so-and-so because I'm a safe place and you like to vent to me, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? (laughs) What would it look like if we even spoke up in that situation? Like, hey, it really sounds like you got something in your heart that God wants to deal with. You know, power to change the brokenness that's in the heart causing the situation. You know, what's crazy Not only are words things that reveal our heart and reveal what we run to, our words actually have power. I don't know if you guys know this, but your words create worlds. My third and last point is your words create worlds. And you're like, man, this is some weird, like, new age, name it and claim it. No, 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 It's, it's, it's Bible that says that God, he created everything by his word. That in his speaking... the universe came into existence. And not only that, that he has given us, people who are made in his image, creative agency and responsibility to create. Because everything you see in this room, a person made. Everything. Even me. I I, I mean, my parents made me. They were over there, okay? (laughs) That people had a conversation about everything that's in here. And they're like, oh yeah, a seat. That sounds awesome. Sitting on the floor kind of sucks. We ought to make this. Like, words made something. You with me? We talk about this a lot in our culture. Y'all ever heard this term, manifesting? Well, I manifested that. I spoke it. Speak it into existence. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And people that have been religious, they'll tell you that that's not real. But the Bible itself will tell you, in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, it says, the power of death and life are in the tongue. And those who love it will eat of its fruits. That the world that you are living in is created by your mouth. Don't believe me? How many of you have had something spoken over your life at some point or another that you cannot get out of your head? Something that you believed about yourself. You know what's so crazy? You know the only wound that, wound that time won't heal? Words. You break an arm, give it a couple months. You get cut, a couple months. A word can last forever. Can last forever. Not only that, the words that you continually speak, they have power. Do you know what words have the most power? The ones that you repeat. The ones that continually have a place at the table. What would it look like if our words started to change that we didn't just say the negative words that promote death in our life? I can't do that. I'm never going to be that. Do you know what my eight-year-old says a lot? I can't. Do you know she never will if she keeps saying that? Tell me that that word doesn't have power. Do you want to know why people manifest things and why it actually comes to pass? 
is because they've got something in their heart that says, I believe this to the core of who I am. I'm going to be successful. I'm going to do this thing that's on my heart, this dream that's in my life. Every day they wake up thinking about it because it's in their heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That you keep saying it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come to pass because your heart is so dead set on it. What would it look like if we started to say the words that God has already spoken over us into our life? That I'm forgiven, that I'm set free. We always say, I'm always going to struggle with this. This is always just going to be a part of my life. This is always going to be who I am. It will as long as you keep saying it. What if we change that to say, God loves me, that I'm a son, that I'm a daughter of the king, and it doesn't matter how many times I fail. God is for me. He's known me my entire life. I'm going to make this through. I'm going to see this through. Some of you thinking that you're not going to be a nurse. I know some of y'all in nursing school, you're the most stressed out people. You're the easy target. You fail a test, you're like, I'm never going to be a nurse. I'm here to tell you this. You're going to see it through because God made you to help people. And as you speak that over your life, every failure is just going to remind you, this is just a setback. God's got me. God's never left my side. He's always going to bring me through. It might not be in the timing that I thought. Guess what? You might meet your wife or your husband because you missed a year of school. Promise. It's happened. I'm living proof. We have these expectations and timetables and we think, oh man, this needs to happen in this time. I'm here to tell you, start speaking life over yourself. Start saying things that aren't here yet because know what that communicates? Faith. My best days are ahead of me. I'm not always gonna be like this. Jesus is changing me. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. So many of us are bound to things because we've never spoken our way out of it. And here's the thing, I'm not just saying say stupid stuff. What I am saying is you need to be anchored to something that changes the core of what this is. Your soil's gotta change, your roots gotta change. And once you're connected to the source that actually breathes and gives life and you say his words, life's gonna come out. That fruit's gonna turn from bad to good. The stuff that you keep running to that tastes like ash in your mouth, you think it's gonna be the thing that's gonna satisfy you and it never does. God is so actively trying to change that for you. He's putting you in places, he's brought you into this place, into this room so that maybe, just maybe, you might speak a better word over your life than what you've ever spoken. That you could believe in faith and pray, say, God, I trust you with my life. I know that I'm not where I wanna be yet, but I trust you to get me there. You know, my daughter, she, uh, we were practicing the other day, soccer, and she, uh, she said something that really just broke my heart. It really broke my heart. We had a hard day of practice, and what I mean by that is we had 15 minutes of practice, and it was hot, she wanted to go inside. <laughs> And she gets real frustrated because she's not great. She just started. And uh, we're walking in the house and I was like, what's wrong? Like, what's going on? Your attitude's so different. Like, what's going on with you? And in her little eyes, I could see him start to like tear up and she goes, I'm a loser. I'm never gonna be good at this. And the words of a father spoken over her life was, you're just getting started. You haven't even done enough to be a loser yet. 
you're a winner. Do you want to know why you're a winner? Because you'd never give up. You're not a quitter. You try your hardest. Started to try to speak these words over her life. And I think for some of you, all you've surrounded yourself with, even in your own world, in your own mind, is words that have put you down. I'm a loser. You remind yourself of the mistakes that you made. You've spoken these things. I'm never going to be this. I'm, I'm, I'm ugly. I'm overweight. I'm not where I want to die. Like, so many negative stuff. And I want to invite you in this moment. I believe God wants to speak a better word over your life that can change everything. The only thing is he's asking you to repeat the words he's already spoken over your life. And so right now, as the band is leading us in this last song, I really want you to just imagine that you're having a conversation with God. I know for some of you, it's scary and you've shut off God's voice for a while. And I know for some of you, you're like, God's voice, what does that even mean? God talks a lot of times at a thought level. And sometimes it's too good to be true. Sometimes he's saying, it's time to deal with that thing that you've been hiding from me. It's time to talk about that hurt that's there that you've never told anyone about. And I believe that if you'll let him, he'll speak life into you. That'll change the world that you're living in. So right now, what you do is I want you to close your eyes. In this moment, I just want to give you an opportunity. One, I want you to have an opportunity to interact with God at a personal level. But two, I think some of you might need a moment that you can put a stake in the ground and say, no, my life is going to be different starting today. And for those of you that felt like God has been tugging at your heart saying, I wish that you would believe the words I've spoken over you, that I love you, that I forgive you. That's not your fault. And that the things that you've even been walking in is because you're hurt, not because you're a bad person. Jesus got eyes of love looking into you, just love. And if you feel like God is trying to tell you, I love you for the very first time and you wanna say, Jesus, I wanna love you back. I wanna give my life to following you. I'm tired of trying to do it my own way. I wanna trust you with my life. If that's you tonight, just with everybody's eyes closed, just raise your hand. God, I want to trust you with my life. This is not I want to follow Jesus for the first time. It's God, even if I've believed in you my whole life, but I've not believed what you've had to say about me, this is for you. This is your moment. God, I want to believe the truth that you've already spoken over my life. I want to say yes to you. I want to say yes to spending the rest of my life following you. Let me pray this prayer with you if you raise your hand. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for loving me first. Even when I felt unlovable, God, thank you for dying for me so I can have life in you. Jesus, today, in this moment, I'm saying yes to everything that you have to say about me. I'm saying yes to every promise that your word says is for me. I'm saying yes to it. I'm saying yes to following you. I'm saying yes to a life with you. God, I surrender my life to follow you for the rest of my days right now. Jesus, I pray that you would just touch every heart in this room. 
God, I pray that you would give them the ability to hear your voice in such a clear and profound way that you would give them next steps to take after it, God. I pray that the word that they've been spoken into tonight by you is something that never leaves. Jesus, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.